0: Take control of your business finances today at Concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport.
1: And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast.
2: We have a passion for reality TV and we're inviting you
1: into our living room. We're dissecting the drama and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right, Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's
2: reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and
1: me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's brand new,
3: season two.
0: Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio and I love all things tech. And this is our news episode for January 14th, 2021, Thursday. I'm recording this on January 13th, so... There will likely be more stories that I did not cover between when this episode (laughs) finishes recording and when it publishes. I apologize for that. Things are changing pretty darn quickly right now, but let's get to the topics that I chose for today's episode. First, we're going to look at a changeover at Intel. After serving as CEO of Intel for two years, Bob Swan is getting the boot. Swan had taken over the job in 2019 when the previous Intel CEO, Brian Kurzanich, resigned after it was discovered he had had an undisclosed affair with another Intel employee. Yikes. Now the chip manufacturing company has made this decision to replace Swan after losing the coveted most valuable computer chip company. It's kind of like a beauty pageant, I guess. But no, Intel had been the most valuable chip company in the U.S. before NVIDIA took that crown in July 2020. Intel has had more than its share of problems lately, including manufacturing issues that have resulted in delays for Intel's next generation of chips. And once the company had to say, you know, we are a, a year behind where we're supposed to be, It really hurt the company big time. The stock market saw shares in Intel drop by 17%. Replacing Swan will be Pat Gelsinger, who currently serves as the chief executive of VMware. But before that, 10 years before joining VMware, Gelsinger spent 30 years of his career at Intel. So he is no stranger to the halls of Intel. We'll have to see if Gelsinger can guide Intel back to its former leadership status in the industry in chip manufacturing. And because that last story was about chips, and because we all know you can't have just one, by the way, message me if you happen to get that reference I made, but let's talk about Qualcomm. Qualcomm is also known as a semiconductor microchip company, primarily known for developing chips for mobile devices like smartphones. Now the company is making a $1.4 billion acquisition of another chip company called Nuvia. Nuvia has a core chip design that was originally based on ARM's architecture. ARM, meanwhile, is in the process of being acquired by NVIDIA. So we're kind of seeing some big chip manufacturing companies, you know, big titans of industry, kind of squaring off against each other. NVIDIA, well, you know, they added ARM to their arsenal. They're sitting at the top right now. Intel's trying to regroup and regain that old top dog spot. And then Qualcomm is adding Nuvia to its business in an effort to carve out a bigger space for itself, in the chip game. We'll have to keep an eye and see where this goes from here. Apple announced an initiative in which the company will contribute $60 million to help fund various projects that share the goal of challenging systemic racism. The company will provide funds to venture capital firms like Harlem Capital, which in turn will use that money to help entrepreneurs who are people of color and help them get their projects funded, There has long been a distinct lack of diversity in tech in general. But when we look at venture capital in particular, there is a stark gap. So in 2018, for example, out of the $85 billion in VC funding that went to various projects, less than 1% of that money went to projects helmed by women of color. Now, these problems are multi-layered. From a lack of visibility for these projects, a lack of diversity in the banking institutions themselves, a lack of support for STEM education projects for people, it's, it's sort of a, a, an enormous challenge that has lots of different facets to it. So projects like this aim to change that, which is great news for everybody, because as I've often said when we get to hear everyone's ideas, we all benefit from the best ideas that are out there. But for a really long time, there have been entire populations of people who have had their ideas unheard. My hope is that we are going to see more companies support efforts like this, and the tech sector will tackle the problem head on. Because while $60 million is a lot of money, I mean, in 2018 we were talking about $85 billion dollars in VC funding total. So that tells you that $60 million is million a, a, its just a drop in the bucket, really, when we're looking at the big picture. It is, however, a step in the right direction. So I wanted to give a shout out to Apple for making that move. And we also have a couple of Facebook stories here. It wouldn't be a Tech Stuff News without them. One of them is that Signal, a messaging app, has experienced quote-unquote unprecedented growth, according to a report on Reuters. The reason for the app's sudden rapid adoption, well, that actually goes back to Facebook, changing the terms of service for WhatsApp, indicating that the company would be mining data in the WhatsApp messaging service and then sharing that information with Facebook proper. Likewise, another messaging service called Telegram has also seen an uptick in user numbers as people begin to move to alternatives. When Facebook first purchased WhatsApp, I remember seeing people concerned about issues like security and privacy. Now, it seems those fears were well warranted. And just to be clear, I'm not saying I predicted any of this. Rather, I'm saying some very smart people who pay much closer attention to messaging services than I do were pointing this out years ago. So how big of an uptick are we talking about with Signal? They saw downloads hit 17.9 million over the last week, which is 62 times greater than the number of downloads they saw the previous week, which is a significant signal. WhatsApp saw a decline in downloads, but it was still downloaded 10.6 million times, so it's not exactly going anywhere anytime soon. And as I mentioned, I'm recording this on Wednesday, January 13th. As I record this episode, Reuters reports that a Facebook spokesperson has indicated that the company has seen an increase in messages and activities that indicate potential future acts of violence in the ongoing political chaos unfolding in the United States. The spokesperson called the siege on the U.S. Capitol a galvanizing event, and that numerous groups were posting messages indicating a possible repeat of what we saw on January 6th in various states around the country. All capitals in the United States. All the states' capitals are on alert for this sort of thing. The FBI actually has issued warnings about planned armed protests set to occur across the U.S. in the days leading up to and including Joe Biden's inauguration. And the spokesperson said that Facebook is sharing more information with law enforcement across the nation. In related news, YouTube has suspended President Trump's YouTube channel following a similar course set by companies like Facebook and Twitter. Uh, While communication channels are being more carefully monitored, or in the cases of Parler, or if you prefer, Parlay, they're being removed entirely. And it appears as though we'll be having to deal with the long-term consequences stemming from years of misinformation and propaganda campaigns. And again, as I have said many times on this show, I advocate everyone employing critical thinking and compassion. I think the lack of both of those things leads us to terrible violence and a general disregard for the welfare of our fellow human beings, and we can be better than that. We just have to put forth the effort to do it. And our last story for this section is again about parlor or parlay. I'm just going to keep saying parlor. I know that it could be the French word parlay, but I'm I'm going to stick with what most people are saying in the U.S. Parlor filed a lawsuit against Amazon. The company has accused Amazon of making an illegal, politically motivated choice to shut down uh, Parlor, specifically to benefit. Twitter, which is an odd thing to to say. However, Amazon has responded in this lawsuit by providing a large amount of correspondence from Amazon to Parler, pointing out how many times there were cases of uh, Parler posts that violated the terms of service that Parler agreed to when they secured the server space with Amazon Web Services. So in other words, Amazon is saying, Listen, we told you numerous times about this illegal material that was appearing on your platform, and it was only getting worse. And it was clear that you could not stop it, so we had no choice but to boot you because you were your your platform was violating the terms of service. This is uh, probably not going to go so well for Parler, I would think. I think that the evidence is pretty strong, and I think the public sentiment is also fairly strong on this matter. So this, I expect we'll see, uh, end up being dismissed. And as it turns out, Parler's still having trouble figuring out where it will go next, if it will go anywhere next. So that story is still unfolding as I record right now. Well, that wraps up that first section. It was a short one today, but I wanted to spend more time talking about less heavy stuff. So when we come back, we'll take another look at some of the crazy stuff going on at the virtual CES 2021 after this short break. Running a business is no cakewalk.
1: Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: from the trenches, we share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, over at the virtual CES 2021, let's, let's say it's in virtual Las Vegas. Razer showed off a couple of interesting ideas. There's Project Hazel, aka the world's smartest smart mask. Uh, During the pandemic, Razer actually used its manufacturing facilities to create disposable medical-grade masks for people who work in healthcare, for frontline employees, that sort of thing, because there was a, a real lack of that. And that's really cool. I think it's awesome that tech companies were able to pivot quickly and start to reconfigure their manufacturing processes to make stuff that there was a a real need for. It actually reminds me a lot of the stories we would hear about the Second World War and how the manufacturing facilities across Europe and the United States would all get reconfigured to produce things for the war efforts. Now we're seeing that with the pandemic. However, Razors also said the new normal has inspired them to make their own smart mask. And according to Razor, it's classified as an N95 respirator, meaning th- this would be an incredibly efficient mask for filtrating airborne particles. This is the kind of stuff that first responders need to be wearing. It's also the kind of stuff that tends to be at a real shortage. And so the general public is is encouraged not to get N95 respirators because it means fewer for everybody else who needs them. However, this is sort of a concept Razor is showing off and it has an active heat exchange system. It's supposed to allow cool air into the mask and release hot air exhaled by the wearer. The mask also has a clear faceplate. So instead of it being like a solid cover over your mouth, you see it's transparent, so people can see your mouth. And ideally, that would mean it'd be easier to understand what someone is saying. It also apparently has a microphone built into it and a speaker built into it so that people can hear you. You don't sound muffled. Personally, I hope it has a voice modulator in it. So that way I can talk like Bane and just wear a mask. I was born in the dark. Okay, enough of that. There are LED lights on it because, I mean, Razer makes gaming stuff like gaming keyboards and controllers. So, of course, there are LED lights on it. Uh, I don't know that that's necessary, but I guess it makes it more cool. The recharging case, because obviously it has to have a recharging case if it's got these other electronic components in it, has ultraviolet lights built into the inside of the case in order to sterilize and disinfect the mask in between uses. And just as a reminder, there is no actual product here. There there are prototypes, but this is not a thing you can go out and buy. And Razer also has a history of showing off things that are interesting ideas at CES, but they never make it to market. So I wouldn't expect this to become the new fashion accessory of 2021, but it might encourage some other companies to, you know, kind of give it a go and, innovate in the mask space Razer also showed off project brooklyn which i think is best described as the iron throne but for gamers like if a project brooklyn gaming chair with the grand prize in a Fortnite tournament i would not be surprised now again this is a concept it is not a commercial product but it looks pretty sick Imagine a gaming chair. It's got a desk that can be built into the front of it. It just attaches to the front of the chair so you can put your keyboard and mouse there. And it has a 60-inch display, a curved 60-inch display, giving a panoramic view that hangs in front of you at head level. The concept video, which I should add is all just concept. It's not an actual thing. It's like CGI. It shows... This chair with a screen emerging out of the back of the chair on extendable arms that then move the screen so that it is in front of the player sitting in the chair and stretch it to the full width of that 60 inch display. Motors in the seats would provide haptic feedback, so when you're piloting that chopper in a game, you would feel the thud of the rotors as you beat the air into submission. Except This is, again, just a concept. It is not an actual product. It is cool, but then if I said, imagine I made a pair of shoes that could make you fly, that would sound cool too, but it doesn't make them real. Now, if you do want a gaming chair that can hold displays right in front of you with an arm that extends over your head to hold those displays in place and you can look like a member of the Legion of Doom in the process, you can check out a gaming chair from Acer called Thronos. They have such monstrosities and according to the website, the going price for one of those babies is just a low, low $14,000. Over at LG, the company showed off the Rollable, a smartphone device with a flexible OLED screen. It's a little hard to describe in audio, but imagine you've got a smartphone. It's a typical smartphone size. It's in your hands. But then you decide you want a tablet. So you take the edges of your smartphone and you pull them so that they are more of a tablet shape. You actually stretch the frame of your smartphone and the screen stretches along with it. That's kind of what we're talking about here, although you'd probably have a a control to do this automatically. The OLED screen rolls up inside the device. And it's kind of like a window shade in that way. And the device can change shape based on whatever form factor you need at any given time. LG, by the way, is not the only company to show off rollable OLED screens like this. There's a couple of others like TCL. Foldable smartphones are so last year. This year, it's all about rollable smartphones. Now there's no word yet on when something like this might come to market or how much it will cost if it does, or you know, if people will actually think it's, you know, useful enough to spend money on it, but the technology behind this is super interesting and there are a lot of other possible applications for flexible displays, so I think this is neat even if it never becomes an actual phone. A lot of car companies skipped this year's CES, but one that showed off an interesting concept was GM, and it's called the EVOTL. This is a flying car concept. Those letters stand for Electric Vertical Takeoff and Landing, and it looks like a funky quadcopter drone. Just, you know, a drone that's large enough to carry people in it. So the two front propellers are mounted at the base of the front of the vehicle and the rear propellers are mounted at the top of the back of the passenger cabin. So it does have a bit of an odd look. The the four rotors are not all on the same plane, in other words. The company also showed off another concept vehicle called the Cadillac Halo, a silvery van looking like thing that would be autonomous and it would have various entertainment systems on the interior to keep people occupied as they get, you know, robo-shuttled around. I don't think we're going to see either concept transform into actual vehicles anytime soon, but they were cool to look at. The company Sigma Phase really knows how to speak my language because that company has introduced an ice cream-making machine that produces ice cream out of single-serve pods, kind of like how Keurig machines use pods to make coffee. This machine is called the Cold Snap. Now, according to CNET, it takes between 60 and 90 seconds for this machine to make your ice cream, you know, or your sorbet, or your frozen margarita. There are apparently many options. The pods themselves are made from aluminum, not plastic, and the company says this was done in order to make them easier to recycle. But like a lot of things on this list, it's a prototype and a heavy one. Apparently, it weighs about 50 pounds. Uh, It weighs that much because it has to have a heavy-duty compressor in there to do rapid heat exchange in order to to create the freezing action needed to produce ice cream. The company does not expect this to go to market until at least 2022, and it will likely set you back a big chunk of change, maybe as much as $1,000 dollars. Plus, the pods will be a couple of bucks each, so this is definitely more expensive than buying an ice cream maker and just getting the ingredients together to do it yourself. Still, it looks super, you know, cool. Panasonic introduced the Nano E-H-NA67W hairdryer. Thanks, Panasonic. That name is very easy to say. We'll just call it the Nano. By the way, that's Nano with an E at the end, not to confuse it with Nano from, like, nanotechnology. Panasonic says, this thing pulls moisture from the air in order to dry your hair, which, uh, I don't, I don't know how that works. Like, that sounds wrong to me. I mean, is the idea that the hair dryer actually just makes the air more dry around you? and then the moisture in your hair moves from an area of high concentration to low concentration, making the laws of thermodynamics do all the work for the hairdryer? I really don't know. Also, I, I haven't had hair since 1999, so hairdryers frighten and confuse me as a matter of course. Oh, I hear you say, but what about turlets? Can you tell me about any smart turlets? And I sure can. You know me and my toilet humor. Or at least I can tell you about another concept product. This one is called the Wellness Toilet from Toto. And as the name suggests, this toilet monitors your health by, well, by, by looking at your poops. Yeah, it's meant to analyze waste to help provide recommendations for living a healthier lifestyle. But as I mentioned, it's a concept. It's not an actual thing you can buy. So I guess that's kind of crappy. There are, of course, a lot of other products on display at CES. One that I did not mention is Samsung showed off a 110 inch television, a 4K resolution TV. Uh, it is a monstrosity. It looks gorgeous, it is huge. Uh, and it's going to actually go on sale in March. So this is a product that's actually going to market. We don't know how expensive it is, but I have seen people make guesses and the guesses tend to be around the the neighborhood of $150,000, yikes. But yeah, it is a pretty impressive thing to look at, at least the videos. I obviously haven't seen one in person. So there are a lot of other things to cover. Maybe next week I might do a quick wrap-up on anything that was you know, particularly interesting or was standing out. But it's mostly the stuff you would come to expect. The various consumer electronics that we're all familiar with, just with sometimes new bells and whistles, and sometimes they are literal bells and whistles. When we come back, We'll cover some assorted news items, but first let's take a quick break. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change.
1: Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: Hello?
0: All right, we're back. Disney has been making some big changes in the company's strategy for video games set in the Star Wars franchise. So for eight years, EA has had the exclusive rights to create titles using licensed properties from Star Wars. But then EA has also been the target of a lot of criticism from the games industry in general, the games journalism world, because of how it has handled that responsibility. From canceling highly anticipated games that people really were excited about, to instituting a pay-to-win microtransaction mechanic in Battlefront 2 before public pressure made them move it out of there, EA has managed to tick off Star Wars fans a lot. But now, Disney has formed Lucasfilm Games, which will oversee the licensing of properties and will partner with game studios to create new Star Wars titles. One we've recently heard about is coming from Ubisoft, and will be an open-world game set in the Star Wars universe. We do not have much more information than that, other than it will depend on the Snowdrop game engine, which is the same game engine used by games like The Division and The Division 2. There's no word on what the game will be like, who it's going to focus on, what era in the Star Wars mythology it will be set in, or anything like that. But the move shows that Lucasfilm Games is going to be working with some heavy hitters in the video game space, and EA is no longer the exclusive developer for these sort of things. On a similar note, Lucasfilm is also partnering with Machine Games, a subsidiary of Bethesda, and Machine Games produced the most recent uh, Wolfenstein games. Machine Games will be developing an Indiana Jones game. So here's hoping we'll see some high-quality titles for these franchises. Uh, I still haven't played Star Wars Squadrons. I feel like I missed the boat on that one, but that was a game that had me hopeful that we'd see more great titles come out. It was the first Star Wars title in a while that I really got excited about and then failed to play. So that's on me. NASA announced that data from the New Horizons mission indicates that there are actually far fewer galaxies out in the universe than we had previously estimated. So back when the Hubble Space Telescope was making observations, it led scientists to estimate that there may be as many as 2 trillion galaxies in our universe. We're in the Milky Way, we're in one galaxy, Just imagine that there would be 2 trillion other ones out there. Yowza. However, New Horizons says, Yo, it's real dark out here, man. Like, it is so dark, there cannot be that many galaxies out here, or else I would see the light coming from them. Which has led scientists to now revise those estimates, and now we're talking more about the number of galaxies being in the hundreds of billions, rather than trillions. Which, don't get me wrong, that's still... A lot of galaxies. However, this really does illustrate how little we know about our universe, including how much stuff is in it. Personally, I find this interesting because it tells us we've got a lot more to learn. And I'm always excited to see how we do that. How do we find ways to discover more information about our universe? Really exciting stuff. I'm sure the James Webb Space Telescope, when it goes online we'll be looking into these mysteries as well. Over at the International Conference on Intelligent Robots and Systems, engineers from the University of Pennsylvania submitted a paper that suggests we could construct robots with parts that are made out of ice because ice would allow robots to be able to do lots of stuff. If you needed to change the shape of a part, you could do it by melting and refreezing ice. If you needed to replicate robots, Ice is a pretty easy material to replicate. I mean, you just get some water and make it cold and then shape it the way you want it to be. And if you need a robot to repair itself, getting access to more water to make more ice could be an easy thing, depending on where you are. Obviously, some planets would be completely devoid of ice, and that would make it difficult. But it's a really interesting idea. Now, obviously, not all parts of the robot would be made out of ice. Then you would just have an ice sculpture. Instead, imagine a robot that has maybe a solid body of ice or wheels that are made of ice connected to an axle made out of metal. Or maybe it's, you know, some other form that I'm not even considering right now. It's a really nifty idea. Now, I'm still working my way through the paper, as I record this episode, so I haven't been able to, to digest all of the stuff they were talking about, but I find the concept really intriguing. Another paper, this one published in Nature, reveals that scientists have sequenced the DNA of dire wolves, a species that doesn't just exist in Game of Thrones. In fact, it was a real species that went extinct here on Earth 13,000 years ago. The research shows that dire wolves split off, genetically speaking, from gray wolves more than 6 million years ago and evolved as a separate species. In fact, this branching was so prominent that the DNA tells us the dire wolves and gray wolves would not have been able to breed with one another. According to one researcher, Kieran Mitchell, the dire wolves appear to be the last member of a line of canines that were distinct from all the living canines today. So in other words, they don't resemble anything from a DNA standpoint to any canines that are around today on Earth. As to why the dire wolves went extinct when gray wolves managed to survive, scientists don't have all the answers. It is possible that the prey that the dire wolves were depending upon also went extinct, so... If your food source goes away, then you're not very long to follow behind. Or it could be that other canines, like gray wolves, were interbreeding with each other, with other canines, and that this actually led to better immune systems. That these animals that resulted from this interbreeding were better able to withstand stuff like disease, And the direwolves, because they didn't have this genetic diversity in their line, were more vulnerable to disease. That's another possibility. But we don't have all the answers. So I'm sure we will learn more as time goes on. Finally, TikTok users are uploading videos of themselves singing sea shanties or singing along with someone else who already created a video. And they're creating these really fun mashups and harmonies along the way. And I'm fully on board, so to speak, with this trend, as I was singing sea shanties before it was cool. Okay, now technically I was singing them way, way, way after it was cool. But before it was cool to do it again. And if you want a really nice sea shanty, I recommend Leave Her Johnny, Leave Her. This was nice. There was one time where I can cover a TikTok story and not be the grumpy old man yelling at people to get off of his lawn. That was a refreshing change. That wraps up the news stories for January 14th, 2021. And I will be back next week with more news stories. You will also have your your normal Tech Stuff episodes as well. I look forward to hearing from you guys. If you have suggestions for things I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, be sure to reach out to me. The handle is techstuffhsw over on Twitter. And I'll talk to you again really soon. TechStuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look
3: at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia.
2: Movement that inspires. Call 800 3334 Q for details. Always dive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery
1: by 7824. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport, and I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Reality Podcast